48K News. It's one o'clock, I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines, hundreds of thousands joined the rush for a free government-issued mask. Relatives of hospital patients plead for the return of visiting hours on wards. And Beijing officials say they've noted a resurgence of violence here as the coronavirus pandemic eases. More than 800,000 people have applied online for free government-issued masks since registration opened at 7 o'clock this morning. By 9am, the website gave the number of people joining the queue as over 325,000. It reached the half a million mark an hour later. Registering took only a few minutes, despite a notice warning of longer waiting times. One person can register for up to six ID cards for masks. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, announced yesterday that the reusable masks, known as CU masks, would be distributed to all Hong Kong residents. The Secretary for Information Technology, Alfred Sitt, said the process had been smooth. The wife of a patient has made an emotional plea to be allowed to visit her husband, as the government faces pressure to restore hospital visits. They've been suspended since January to avoid the spread of coronavirus. Jimmy Choi has more. Miss Lee sends an emotional message to the hospital authority. She wants to see her husband now. On an RTHK radio program, she explained that she hasn't seen her husband, who's in his 70s, since he underwent back surgery more than a month ago. She says he seems to have lost hope and is unwilling to eat. She hopes a visit from her will cheer him, and she can encourage him to start eating again. Questioned by the host, she explained that older people like her simply couldn't use video conferencing technology. She doesn't even have a smartphone. The health secretary, Sylvia Chan, told the same program that she understood people wanted to visit their relatives, but emergency procedures were still in place to stop COVID-19. Professor Chan says that in exceptional circumstances, people can make a special request to the hospital authority for a visit. The Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office says it's seen a resurgence in what it called violent activities in the SAR as the pandemic eases. It accused the perpetrators of trying to turn Hong Kong into an independent or semi-independent entity. Priscilla Ng reports. A spokesperson said protesters with a if we burn, you burn with us mentality were a political virus and these elements ran against one country, two systems. It said since last June, protesters had openly challenged the one country, two systems principle, trampled on the rule of law, disrupted public order and were destroying the city's stability and harmony. The office said it saw a resurgence of violence amid the easing of the coronavirus pandemic, with protesters once again disrupting businesses and hurling petrol bombs on the streets. It said the perpetrators were trying to push Hong Kong down a cliff by denying the central government's sovereignty over Hong Kong. It said Beijing wouldn't allow this destructive power to grow and urged all sectors of society to say no to violence. Legislators are continuing a marathon debate on this year's government budget. Pro-Beijing lawmaker Junius Ho used the occasion to launch another attack on RTHK, questioning whether the public broadcaster provides value for money. He spoke through an interpreter. Some people are making it sound like that RTHK has achieved remarkably. While I have 110,000 Facebook followers, and even people who don't like me has to sit up and listen because 
I speak the truth. That's why people would listen. What about the LTHA? They only have about 10,000 followers. If you spend $1 billion, well, with uh, your standards, then I would have spent $10 billion already. Several pro-democracy legislators defended RTHK. The Democratic Party's Lam Chik-Teng pointed out that RTHK's video news team alone had more than 650,000 likes. Council Front's Chiu Hoi-Dik says the pro-Beijing camp wants RTHK gone because it's doing things that the Communist Party doesn't like. A vote on the budget is expected next week. Five liberal-leaning solicitors have launched the candidacies for seats on the governing council of the Law Society, the professional body. Five of the council's 20 seats are available in polls at the end of this month. Among the nominees are Kenneth Lam, Janet Pang and Michelle Choi, who have provided pro bono legal assistance to protesters arrested during last year's social unrest. They say they want to provide more diversity to the Law Society. Mr Lamb says some lawyers are frustrated that the body hasn't been vocal enough about rule of law issues over the past year. We do expect that the council be more vocal in this area. But as we can see from the 13 statements issued by law council, all of them uh, one-sided condemn the protester, which is not wrong because it involves a lot of violence. We, we have no objection to that. But to balance the voice and to represent the views of the member, we consider it's necessary to be vocal on the issue that public power should be constrained. A Swedish publisher has distributed poems, it says, were written by Hong Kong bookseller Gui Min Hai in a mainland prison. Wendy Wong reports. Publishing house Kaunis Olsen said in an email that the poems were written by Mr Gui in prison, where he's serving a 10-year sentence after being convicted of illegally providing intelligence overseas. The themes of the poems in Chinese and Swedish range from a longing of Swedish forests to his imprisonment. The Swedish citizen is one of the most high-profile of five booksellers who disappeared in 2015, all of them linked to a now-shuttered Causeway Bay store known for its gossipy tax on mainland leaders. According to Ningbo, convicted him in February and said he's asked to have his Chinese citizenship reinstated. Sweden said he hadn't asked to have Swedish citizenship revoked and demanded his release. Overseas, the White House is planning to disband the Coronavirus Task Force, coordinating its response to the pandemic within a month. This comes as the US coronavirus death toll climbed by more than 2,300 in the past 24 hours, more than twice as many as the day before, according to the Johns Hopkins University. President Trump said it had done a great job, but a different group would replace it. Mike Pence and the task force have done a great job, but we're now looking at a little bit of a different form, and that form is safety and opening, and we'll, uh, we'll have a different group probably set up for that. Are you saying mission accomplished? No, no, not at all. The mission accomplished is when it's over. President Trump made his comments on a visit to a factory in Phoenix, Arizona, that makes medical-grade masks during one of his few trips since the pandemic took hold. Mr Trump didn't wear a mask during the visit, which has caused some criticism, as the BBC's Cathy Kay in Washington explains. 
There were actually signs up in this Honeywell factory saying that masks should be worn at all time. And the president did wear safety goggles, but he didn't wear a face mask. He has said very clearly from the White House podium that he himself is not going to choose to wear a face mask. And members of his group traveling from the White House of his administration were also not wearing masks down at Honeywell. So I think the message from the president has been mixed on this one, as it has on some other things. The official White House guidelines is people should wear a mask, but the president himself is not going to do so. The UK has now suffered more coronavirus deaths than any other European country. The Daily Toll took it beyond Italy, with the death rate in care homes still rising. Both countries have lost more than 29,000 people. Leading the Daily Briefing, the Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, said the pandemic was unprecedented. We've never experienced anything like this first stage of COVID-19. In terms of the scale of the lives lost, but also the lockdown that it has required. And as we go forward, we want to make sure that the next phase is more comfortable, is more sustainable, uh, and prevents lasting damage to jobs and livelihoods. But we need to be under no illusions. The next stage won't be easy. A court in Argentina has suspended the release of prisoners considered at higher risk of contracting COVID-19. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Russia. Hundreds of inmates across Argentina, including pregnant women, have been released since the policy was introduced nearly a month ago. It was meant to apply only to people convicted of minor crimes, who were then placed under house arrest. But several violent offenders, including a man who had sexually abused a child, have been freed from jail, prompting protests. Argentine jails are overcrowded and people with any health conditions have an increased risk of contracting the coronavirus in prison. The measure has proven so unpopular, however, that most politicians have turned against it. Climate experts say this year will see the biggest decline in carbon emissions ever recorded because of the pandemic. Emissions from the use of fossil fuels are expected to fall by up to 8%. Here's the BBC's Matt McGrath. No one has ever experienced a carbon crash on the scale of the one we are all living through right now. As governments have closed down their economies, the use of fossil fuels has dropped dramatically. The skies have seen a 75% reduction in flights compared to the same time last year. The amount of traffic on the world's roads has dropped by half, which is having an even bigger impact on the amount of CO2 going into the atmosphere. Around the world, demand for electricity has also dropped by 20% because of the shutdown. However, to avoid the worst impacts of climate change in the future, scientists say we'd need a pandemic-sized reduction in CO2 every year from now until 2050. In other news, scientists in Europe say they can now describe with confidence what's driving the drift of the North Magnetic Pole. The shift in recent years towards Siberia has made it necessary to update global navigation systems. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Amos. At the top of the world, there's a place where magnetic field lines point vertically into the Earth's surface. This north magnetic pole wanders over time. In the early 19th century, it was sighted in the north of Canada, drifting slowly to slightly higher latitudes. Then, in the 1990s, it charged across the Arctic towards Russia. The team discovered this dramatic movement is driven by specific changes in the flow of molten iron in the Earth's outer core, the dynamo that creates and sustains its magnetic field. A short time ago in finance, the Hang Seng Index was at 24.031. That's 160 points up on the previous close. Currency is the US dollar is trading at 106.36 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 8 cents. And the pound will get you 9 Hong Kong dollars and 63 cents.
Now to sport, here's Atom Chung. Football clubs in Germany will find out today whether the season will resume this month. The country's chancellor, Angela Merkel, will host a video conference with local leaders and could give football the green light to finish the current season. But the German journalist Mara Piefer says a lot of Bundesliga fans are against the idea of restarting the season while society is still dealing with the coronavirus. They've been very conscious about the whole thing and they have been uh, speaking up publicly and saying, you know, we shouldn't do it right now. It's just, it's a bad signal. And um, I don't know how you say in English when there's um, a stadium without audience, we say ghost games here mm. because it's, you know, kind of a ghostly atmosphere. And the fans have been very much opponent to that. The head of the players' union in England has suggested that playing halves of less than 45 minutes could be an option if it helps to get the current season completed. The PFA's chief executive, Gordon Taylor, says those making the decisions need to be flexible. We don't know the future. What we do know is what propositions have been put, what ideas have been put, the possibility of having more substitutes, games possibly not being the full 45 minutes each way, they've talked about neutral stadiums, there's lots of things been put forward, try and wait and see what the proposals are and then have the courtesy to let the managers and coaches and players also assimilate all those and come to a considered view. If everything looks positive and promising, you wouldn't be thinking of uh, matches being played until the round about the middle of June, I would estimate. After much delay due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the South Korean Baseball League's regular season finally got underway yesterday, and the American sports cable giant ESPN is showing it in the U.S. The BBC's Betty Glover reports. South Korea's baseball season has begun after a five-week delay due to the global coronavirus pandemic. No fans were allowed in and referees and coaches wore masks. With currently no Major League Baseball in the United States, US broadcaster ESPN is among those who've signed up to show Korean baseball. Widespread testing, intensive contact tracing and tracking apps have enabled South Korea to limit the impact of the virus. Cycling authorities have confirmed that the Tour de France is still due to start on the 29th of August. It had been cast into doubt when the French government extended a ban on mass gatherings until September. Cycling's three Grand Tour races, including the Giro d'Italia and the Vuelta a España, will all take place in a packed schedule of just over three months from the 1st of August. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories once again. Hundreds of thousands joined the rush for a free government-issued face mask. Relatives of hospital patients plead for the return of visiting hours on wards. And Beijing officials say they've noted a resurgence of violence here as the coronavirus pandemic begins to ease. And that's the news from RTHK. Ain't never gonna lie to me I don't know 
know why I thought it would be different this time. Thought you'd be the one, but you're one of those guys. Can only blame myself, I made it up in my mind. In my mind. And welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, the 6th of May, is today's date. Thank you, thank you to Phil for the morning brew. And we do have a very busy program for you. As per usual, we'll be joined by the lovely Cruzan McCalligan for our midweek audio column. <laughs> this week, Cruzy will be joining us to talk about the man who wrote many books, stories that none of us can overlook, and that is Dr. Seuss. And Cruz will be joining us just after the half past two news. But before all of that, in about 10 minutes or so, we will be chatting about the rapid changes in the working landscape. 
here in Hong Kong. Um, as you know, Hong Kong has experienced a lot in the last year from protests uh, to COVID-19. So we will be chatting about uh, the different working environments and also the changes uh, in this landscape with Marie Swarbrick, of, uh, the founder of Flexi Mums, uh, which is a platform that empowers and connects mums and companies. And we want to hear from you also. Feel free to drop us an email. Our email address is 123show at rthk.hk. That's 123show at rthk.hk. You can also find us on Facebook, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. Also, a friendly reminder.